What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Mutual Aid episode of the Professional Volunteer Podcast. So, super fortunate this week because we get to do some live fire training. Um, we have got a bunch of acquired structures in our district, which, you know, does not happen often. Um, you know, due to rules and regulations, we can't use a lot of them, but we're fortunate enough to have one location that this home is like in move-in shape. Well, except for the mold, it's in move-in shape. But everything is in like tip-top, perfect condition, sheetrock in place, nice flooring, doors, no holes. I mean, perfectly um, uh, shingled roof. I mean, this thing, this thing is great to do some, some room and contents fires. Um, and for those of you who have been following me on um, social media throughout the week, have seen in my story some of the behind-the-scenes um, paperwork prep that has gone into or that went into this week's drill. And I got some comments back regarding, you know, how the paperwork is done and, you know, where you can find the, the checklists for live fire and the, um, you know, information on the um, – uh, rules and regulations that you need to follow. And, you know, it's very simple. NFPA 1403, um, great place to start. Your locality might have some additional rules and regulations. Your fire district might have some additional rules and regulations on top of that. But NFPA 1403 is a great place to start when it comes to live burns. And listen, if you're going to do live burns and you are not going to follow NFPA 1403, my suggestion to you is going to be don't do live burns because you are setting yourself up for potential failure. God forbid something goes wrong. And I will mention one town to you in New York, and that should be all I have to say, and that is Lairdsville. If you don't know what, anything about Lairdsville, Google it, and um, it is an, uh, it will be an eye-opening read or watch, depending on uh, whether you find something on YouTube or you find an article uh, to read on the internet. Um, but yeah, so we're super fortunate to have this uh, have this uh, building to work with. We're gonna, uh, you know, get in some quality training um, over the next few weeks. And you know, listen, this is what it's about, right? It's about creating real life, real life training scenarios. Um, you have heard me say before, and, and I repeat this from one of my mentors of the past, if you train like shit, you fight fire like shit. And if you don't put your team members and yourself in realistic situations, uh, how are you going to be prepared for the real thing? But there's a lot that goes into that. And we've talked about this before on several of the full-length episodes, and maybe I've even touched on it on a, on a few of the mutual aid episodes. Preparation. You have to do the preparation, right? All of your training evolutions, whether it's a live fire training evolution, rope night, auto extrication, water rescue, whatever it may be, requires preparation. If you, as the leader or your team um, of trainers, expect to be able to walk into the fire station at 6.50 for a 7 p.m. drill and get everything prepared and be ready for when your firefighters walk in the door. If you expect to 
to produce a high quality, um, high value drill walking in the door 10 minutes prior to the start, you are kidding yourself. It is absolutely impossible. A good training evolution, regardless of what it's for, unless you are sweeping the floors and washing the trucks, requires good preparation. All right, so I shared a little bit of that throughout the week, um, doing the prep work, creating my plot plans, um, you know, everything that goes into something like a live fire evolution, um, scheduling your, your, um, your RIT team, your FAST team, scheduling your EMS to be on site, making sure you have enough water supply, you know, all of these things, making sure that your people are actually going to show up and you're not doing all of this work and then nobody shows up, nobody shows up for the training evolution, right? So these are all the things that we need to do in preparation. And if you're not doing that, you're missing the boat, right? So when, when you sit down, if you're part of the group that puts on training, all right, when you sit down as a group, as your group of officers or as a group of trainers, you should be laying out, uh, you should be laying out drills for the months, uh, for the month or, you know, maybe a couple of months. And, you know, my best advice would be for every drill that you lay out, you should have a plan A and a plan B, right? What if you're planning on doing, um, ladders outside? and a monsoon blows through your town that night and you can't be working outside with the ladders and you have no place inside to throw ladders. So you got to have a plan B, right? What are you going to do if that drill falls through? Are you just going to cancel or are you going to go to plan B and do something else? You've heard my buddy John talk on several of the podcasts um, regarding every drill doesn't have to be two hours long, right? Just because that's what your organization has always done, you know, maybe 7 to 9 o'clock or 6.30 to 8.30, whatever it is, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Thursday, whatever it is, right? It doesn't have to be two hours long, right? Give your people a high-quality drill that they are going to get something out of and don't waste their time. If that only takes an hour and a half or an hour versus two hours, right, get it done and let them go, um, let them go up on their way, you know, or at home or whatever, or, you know, maybe they'll continue to hang around the firehouse and then maybe we can sweep the floor, wash the trucks, do other things that need to be done. But people's time is the most valuable thing that they can give you. And, and I think we lose sight of that sometimes, that the most valuable thing that our volunteers can give us is their time. And every time, and I talked about this Two weeks ago, I believe, every time they show up, whether it's for a, a call, a drill, a meeting, whatever it may be, you should be, as a leader or as leaders or as an organization, we should be appreciating their time if we want them to continue to dedicate that time to the organization. Right? So I'm hitting on a lot of topics here today. And on a lot of different things that maybe we've talked about in the past, or maybe we have uh, dove into a little bit. But you know, when it when it comes down to training and a drill like we did this week, it's all about the preparation. Right? If you expect to be able to put together a live fire training scenario, 
15 minutes before you light the flare, I can guarantee you somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt or all right, you're putting people at risk because you are not doing it the right way. Right. And, and that's what it's about. You don't want to put your people at risk. You don't want to put yourself and your reputation at risk. God forbid somebody gets hurt on your watch unnecessarily, right? Because you failed to plan. And that's what I was trying to get across this week by kind of highlighting things as the week progressed. Live fire is not something that we should be taking lightly. When we get the opportunity to do it, we got to put the time in and do it the right way. And if we do that, if we put the time in and we do it the right way, we're going to guarantee that our people get a quality night, day or night of training, right? But if we don't, um, they're probably not going to get the training they deserve, or we're going to put people at unnecessary risk. If you don't know how to do it, you know, maybe you're the one that organizes the drills and you got lucky enough to get a, um, a building that you can use for such a training evolution, right? But if you don't know where to find the paperwork, you don't know where to find a copy of NFPA 1403, or you don't know your agency's rules and regulations when it comes to live fire, um, you need to find out, all right? Don't, don't get pushed into doing something you're not comfortable with, and don't get pushed into doing something that you really don't know what the proper steps are uh, to do it. And, and, you know, the one thing I will say is please, please, and I'm sure these rules and regulations differ throughout the states um, and throughout different parts of the world. But whatever you do, please, please, please do not use live victims. Right. Don't do that. That is a, a recipe for disaster. Do not use live victims. Training mannequins, absolutely. All right. And again, if your if your drill is live fire training, make sure you're following the steps. Make sure you're following the procedures to do it the right way and to do it safely. But bottom line is, my friends, the premise behind today's episode: do the research, do the preparation, start working on on these things early. And give your people the training they deserve. Do not waste their time. Because their time is the most valuable thing that they can give you. I want to thank you again for tuning into today's episode. Um, we have had some amazing guests over the last couple of weeks. Um, I hope that everybody enjoyed this past week's full episode with Brandon. Um, regarding challenges for volunteer EMS. It was the first time we dabbled in volunteer EMS at all. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We're going to be bringing Brandon back in a few weeks, um, hopefully along with Dr. Michelle Kent. I've got a really, uh, Brandon suggested a really great topic that uh, uh, definitely hits home for me, uh, close, home, close to home for me on um, some things that a lot of us do um, that I think will be super helpful and super eye-opening to all of you. Uh, next week, you are going to hear Brooke Ames again. I interviewed Brooke this week. Always great to have Brooke on the show. Um, 
and, and was fortunate enough to get together with her uh, for some time this week. She'll be uh, airing next Wednesday. And then next week, Kara uh, and I are going to be interviewing uh, Jim Moss and Dan Carrigan um, from Firehouse Functional, uh, Firefighter Functional Fitness. And I can't wait for that. So things are really ramping up. It's going to be an, an amazing summer. We are closing in on 10,000 downloads of the podcast, which for me is just absolutely mind-blowing, 10,000 downloads. And I've got something special I'm trying to line up for when we hit that 10,000 mark. But it's all because of you guys tuning in week after week and uh, faithfully listening and reaching out and helping me to grow the show and telling me what you like, what you don't like, what you found helpful. Um, you're the reason uh, that I'm here week after week. Uh, you're the w- reason that I've, I've managed to link up with some uh, amazing people in uh, John and Kara that have uh, been co-hosting with me. Um, it's just been an amazing ride so far, and we're going to keep this train moving. So I want to thank you again. Uh, please link up with me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, at Professional Volunteer. Make sure you check out the website where you can find all things Professional Volunteer, and that is ProfessionalVolunteerFirefighter.com. And you can always just shoot me an email directly at ProfessionalVFF. That's ProfessionalVFF at gmail.com. My friends, once again, thank you. Don't forget a paycheck does not make you a professional. How you approach the job does. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Until next time.